Well, about 10 years ago, it was the first time that I fell in love. Y'all are going to love this story. It's going to be great. I, um, it, it was 10 years ago, and I was going on vacation with my parents. It was a cruise for spring break, and I remember being surprised. I was surprised because I kind of just stumbled upon the most beautiful girl that I'd ever seen. And it wasn't just surprising because of how beautiful she was, it was surprising because despite how beautiful she was, she started talking to uh, me. And I know what you're thinking, like that's not a surprise, like anyone will be lucky to talk to you, Cody, you're like amazing, charming, total catch. And I agree, thank you, thank you, truly. I think we can all agree that I've got something going on for me, at least right now. But 10 years ago, that was not the case. Because here's the thing about me. I am 25 on paper, okay? On paper, I'm 25. I gotta remind you every once in a while. But if you took a picture of me and you just showed it to one of your friends kind of randomly, they would probably tell you that I look about 18 or 19. Okay, so how it works with me is you gotta take whatever age I am on paper, cut it by like 75%, and that's what I look like. So do the math with me. 10 years ago, when I was 15, I looked 11. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, here's a picture from that vacation. <laughs> What's going on, dude? You know it's me because of the hat, right? It's the Philly. It's, it's born and raised, guys. And um, here's the thing about that kid right there. It's, it's appalling, really. But here's the thing about that kid right there. He thought he had a few moves. The kid had no moves whatsoever, but the kid thought he had some moves, and apparently this girl thought he had some moves too, because uh, pretty soon after talking to this girl, we were not just talking. We were kissing quite a bit, and uh, that was how we pretty much spent our week together, like talking a little bit of that and then a little bit of the other stuff, but let me just say this, that was probably, this is weird, probably the most joyful week of my life because of that. <laughs> like, like, it was 10 years ago, but like, still holds up, guys, because here's the thing, there is something special. There's something especially joyful about like that first love kind of feeling. That first love kind of feeling, the first time someone holds your hand, that first time you get to kiss somebody, it's, it's awkward, but it's exciting. It's exciting and you feel safe with them. And that excitement for me lasted all week. It lasted six and a half days. Because on the night of the last day of the boat, we had to have a talk, right? You always gotta have a talk. And uh, that talk did not go super well for me uh, because during that talk, we had to kind of have a conversation about was this newfound love we discovered something we actually wanted to, to commit to, to go all in with? Right? Do we want to take this little flame and, and turn it into like the fire of a relationship? And, and what we decided, uh, what we agreed upon, she agreed a little bit more than I agreed, um, but we agreed that the world ultimately just wasn't ready for our love. <laughs> the world just wasn't ready for it, right? And uh, re really what it was, it was just practical stuff, right? We were 15 years old, who knows what we were doing, right? And apart from that, like, we didn't live in the same place. Like, I was from San Antonio, she was from um, California, and so logistically, that wasn't going to work out. And we'd only known each other for, like, a week, right? Like, that's not a huge foundation for anything. It was fun, but it wasn't a foundation for anything. And um, <laughs> on top of all of that, here's what I found out during that conversation, is apparently all the time that we were, like, being joyful together, I'll put it like that, she had a boyfriend in California that uh, <laughs> I didn't know about. <laughs> 
I don't know if I'm the bad guy in that story or not, but that's how that happened. That's the story of the first time Cody fell in love and the first time that Cody had his heart just broken in a million pieces. There have been times since then, but, but why, why do I share that story with you? Because strangely, the gospel reading for this morning, it, it's kind of similar. It's the story of a man who stumbles into, is surprised by, probably the most beautiful thing he's ever seen, a treasure. And this treasure, it overwhelms him with this sense of delight and joy that makes, uh, makes him make a decision to, to commit to this treasure, to go all in, sell absolutely everything he has to, to kind of buy the field that this treasure is in. And Jesus tells this story, it's a parable about the kingdom of God. He's trying to show us what finding the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. And as Jesus tells this story, there are kind of three things we're supposed to learn from it, three things we're supposed to keep in mind. That first, uh, the kingdom of God is surprising. The kingdom of God is surprising. It kind of comes out of nowhere. And the kingdom of God, uh, the surprise of it, the beauty of it, it's supposed to evoke in us this sense of joy this sense of excitement. And then from that joy that we find in the kingdom, there's supposed to be this move, and here's the struggle for us. There's supposed to be this move to, to go all in for the kingdom, to commit to the kingdom, to give our life to it. So what we're going to do for the rest of the time that we have this morning is kind of unpack each of those elements a little bit further. The surprise of the kingdom, the joy we find in the kingdom, and how in the world we can justify Committing to the kingdom of Jesus. The first thing Jesus tells us in this story is that the kingdom of God is surprising. And here's what I mean by that. Here's what it is to be a, kind of a part of the surprise of the kingdom of God. Finding the kingdom, it's much more about stumbling into it than it is about striving for it. The way this story goes, the way that Jesus tells this story is that this man discovers the treasure. He wasn't searching for the treasure. He wasn't working day and night to try to find this treasure. He almost just kind of trips over it in the field. You can imagine him kind of dusting off the top, discovering, oh my gosh, there's, there's treasure here. But he wasn't looking for it. He wasn't striving for it. He was just kind of surprised by it, and he stumbled into it. It was kind of like this weird, graceful sort of moment for him. And the reason why this is so important for us is because our encounter with the kingdom our encounter with Jesus, finding Jesus, it goes much the same way. Jesus is not something you strive for. The kingdom is not something you, you work your way into. It's not something you search day and night trying to find. It's something that just kind of appears out of nowhere. It's something that kind of pops up out of the ground and surprises you with how beautiful it is. And you know this. You know this because the ways that you have encountered the kingdom of God, the ways you've seen Jesus most clearly, it's always been a surprise. He always shows himself at the most unexpected times, whether that's in the beautiful surprise of, of words from a friend, kind words that kind of encourage you and build you up, whether that's the, the beautiful surprise of a song you didn't know you needed to hear. But then you turn on the radio, and, and there it is, and there's just that's this sense of peace that overwhelms you. Or whether that's the beautiful surprise of just stepping out into the beauty, the beauty of God's creation. And, and you hear the birds are chirping, the, the sun is still shining, and there's this, this sense that someone is holding all of this together. That's what it means to, to find the kingdom of God. It's something we stumble into. It's not something we strive for. It truly is 
surprising. And it's this surprise of the kingdom of God that kind of instills in us this joy of the kingdom. And here's how I want us to think about the joy of the kingdom this morning. The joy of the kingdom, it's not just about excitement. It's also about safety. This feeling of safety that the kingdom brings. And here's why. Here's how the story that Jesus tells, here's how it goes. This man finds the treasure. He's overwhelmed with delight by it. But why is he overwhelmed? He's overwhelmed because the treasure that he discovers has got to be big enough. This treasure has got to be big enough, not, not just to set him for like the next couple of days or the, or the next couple of weeks. This treasure, it is big enough to set him for life. Otherwise, this man would not be so moved by the size of this treasure to go sell everything that he has to go buy the field this treasure is in. This treasure is big enough. Big enough not just to give him excitement for the present moment, but the sense of safety and security, hope for his future. Why is this so important for us? Because again, our encounter with the kingdom of God is supposed to go much the same way. When we see the size, the treasure that Jesus has for us, his love for us, we're not just set for today. We're not just set for tomorrow. We're set really for life. Not just this life, but also the next life. It's not something that's just meant to overwhelm us with, like, good feelings for right now. It's supposed to lead us into this posture of confidence for our future, knowing that we really are safe with Jesus. That's what the joy of the kingdom looks like. And here's, here's where the story gets tricky for us this morning. Because the surprise of the kingdom, that's all good stuff. The joy of the kingdom, that sounds really, really fun. But then there's this part in the story where this man goes all in for the kingdom. He, he sells everything he has. He, he commits to the kingdom in a pretty radical way. And the story is supposed to kind of show us what our encounter with the kingdom is supposed to be like. But, but the problem for us, the scandal of this story, is that we really don't want. We don't want to commit to the kingdom. I actually shouldn't say it like that. We, we want to commit to the kingdom, but we have a really hard time doing it. And the reason we have a hard time committing to God's kingdom is because committing to, to his kingdom, to his will being done, it means losing control of our kingdom. Oh. It means losing control of your will losing control of the desires that you have, the way that you would like to see things go. It means giving it all over to him, trusting again that your future is secure. But that's a hard move to make. None of us like to give up control because control is the way that we really like to try to play God. It's the way that we like to try to control our own destiny, act as if we have kind of like this sense of, of security and safety in ourselves. Well, we don't. Control, it's just this game we play in our head. Amen. Like, we, you and I, we, we really don't have control over any of this. Like, you have control over, like, what you eat for breakfast this morning, and that's about it. Amen. Everything else that, like, happens in this life is really just life coming at you, and you are out of control. You are out of control, but it's this desperate desire to maintain control, hear me, that sets us up for disappointment. And it's this desperate desire to maintain really an illusion of control 
It's why we struggle to, to commit to, to anything, especially to the kingdom of God. But the scandal of this story is that we need to. We need to lose control. We need to lose that desire for control if we are going to find the joy and the beauty of the kingdom of God. But the question is how? How in the world do we justify giving control to a king who is not us? How do we justify going all in for a kingdom when we're not the king of that kingdom? How is it that we can go all in? Some of y'all know this story, but I almost didn't go to seminary. I almost did not do ministry altogether. Uh, Because the day that I got accepted into seminary was like the day that my entire life just fell out of control. It's actually an understatement, because the day that I got accepted in the seminary was the day that the entire world just fell out of control. Because the day that I got accepted into seminary was March 10th, 2020. Y'all remember what was going on in March 2020? How the world kind of fell out of control? We all lost control, right? All of us lost control of our plans, lost control of what we thought we were doing, but, but here's how it looked for me. March 10th, I got a call from the seminary saying I've been accepted. I also got an email from Texas A&M University, whoop, saying that, <laughs> saying that the school was shut down, that the campus was shut down, the city was shut down, really the world was shutting down, right? And that every plan that I had for like the, the rest of my senior year, every plan I had for like graduation and for the summer, just on the floor. And that was all of us, right? But that, that's what that looked like for me. And really, there was just this, this lack of control that I felt all through the summer debating whether I was going to go to seminary or not, because I didn't know. I didn't know if they were even going to have classes in the fall, if I was going to have to move to St. Louis, if it was going to be like online or in person. But I honestly didn't even know if I was going to like be good at it when I got there, if I was going to like it. There was just so much that was out of my control. And I was talking about that with my dad one day. One night, we're just kind of sitting by the pool, and he asks me something. He asks me, Cody, is this seminary thing, is it something you even want to commit to? I said, Dad, of course it is. Of course I want to commit to this, but I just, I don't know if I can. Like, you see how the world's going, right? Like, the whole thing's just out of control. Like, I I just don't know if I can go all in with this. And my dad's not normally one to give advice, but he gave some pretty good advice that night. He looks at me and he says, son, you should just go. Just go. Just go all in for one semester. Give it everything you have. Try as hard as you can. Like, like study hard. Go to class. Like, everything. Go all in for one semester. And if for whatever reason that doesn't work out, or for whatever reason just like the grades aren't happening or you're not passionate about it, if for whatever reason that doesn't work out, here's what you do. You come right back home. Your mom and I will be waiting for you, and we'll figure something else out together. 
no matter what happens, son, know this, that we love you, we support you 100%. We're all in. So I took my dad's advice, went to seminary, and honestly, guys, I was surprised. Surprised by God in so many ways that I just can't even count them. And there's been this joy that I've had, like kind of just getting to even stumble through ministry that's just been like no other joy that came before it. But I never would have known that joy. And I never would have been able to see all the surprises that God had in front of me if, if my dad wasn't already all in for me. There's no way that I could have gone all in. There's no way that I could have committed to, to anything that I've ever done if I didn't have him and my mom and really everybody just 100% behind me. And the same is true for all of us. There's nothing that you can do. Like, you can't go all in. You can't even give a piece of yourself until you have the safety and the security to know that, that somebody else is standing behind you, standing with you in that fight, whatever it is. And that's especially true of the kingdom. That is especially true of you and your faith. There is, there is no way that we could take even an inch forward into the kingdom if Jesus, if Jesus Christ didn't already go all in for you. And believe me, he did. He went all in for you. He went all in, gave his life on a cross for you, and here's why. Here's why Jesus went all in for you, because he found you buried in the dirt, buried in the dirt of your sin, buried in the dirt of the shame that you have, none of the things that you like about yourself. He found you there. And for whatever reason, when he found you, he saw a treasure. He saw something worth treasuring, something valuable that he took absolute joy in absolute delight in you. And then this joy that Jesus feels for you is what moves him to go all in for you, to give his life, to commit his life to a cross. And then when he's on that cross, to commit his spirit to his father, say, Father, it is finished. Also that you one day could stumble through the field of your life kicking up the dirt and be surprised by him. Be surprised by the love that he has for you, the love that never changes. And so that love, you could treasure it, and that love, it could be something that gives you joy, not just excitement, but safety. This sense of security, knowing that this life is set and the next life is set, that your eternity is set because of his, of his love for you. Whatever you're trying to go all in for, Jesus is standing right there with you. So you can go all in for the kingdom. So that you can go all in for your job, for your family, for your marriage, for your community, your neighborhood. So that you, like Jesus, can lay yourself down, surprise other people, 
and bring them joy. Amen. Let's stand and pray. I love you. <laughs> You're my favorite person. Oh, my word. Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for surprising us. We thank you so much for gracefully revealing yourself to us in Jesus. In a way that we can never strive for, earn, or deserve, we thank you for just letting us stumble into your love, for showing us a joy and excitement and a safety for your kingdom that just takes us to, to adventures we'd never dream of. We thank you, Jesus, most of all, for going all in for us. And we pray that as we see that kind of commitment from you, that we would just respond to it by taking at least one step forward, giving even a piece more of ourselves to the ones who need it most. That your love would be shared and spread through us, through our words, through our actions. That you would send us into this world with a love that always goes all in. In your name we pray, amen.